Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in <clears throat> Colossians 3 here in a little bit. Um, this is uh, week four of, of Advent, um, and each week we've been talking, so we've been talking as elders just how different it has been on a preaching standpoint to, to start with a theme and then uh, preach the theme and be faithful to the scriptures as well instead of starting with the text and then letting the text develop uh, into the theme and the application. Uh, but, man, I, I love Advent. I love um, that our church is, is uh, participating in this tradition of, um, of pulling uh, aside for four weeks and focusing on uh, the, the, the greatness of, of God becoming flesh and coming to dwell with us. Um, <clears throat> so I, I've been playing guitar for about 17 years, 18 years now. Um, this, this guitar I bought, I bought off of eBay like 12 years ago. And, uh, sorry, it was, a, it was like my dream guitar. Researched a lot, decided I wanted... This is a Gibson J45, and I was like, man, this, this is a dream. It came up on eBay. There was like a six-day bid, and it was really low, and I'm like, I'm going to take a chance, see what happens. Nobody else bid, and I got it for that price, and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. So one of the things about guitars is the, the way they're made, it doesn't need to be under extreme elements like heat or cold or pressure or anything. It's just not good for the wood. It's not good for the strings. And so at the time when I bid on it, we were on a mission trip in Tokyo, Japan, my wife and I with a team from IGO, and, and so I emailed Kai Martin and I said, hey man, we lived in the same apartment complex as the Martins, and I said, hey man, I, I won this guitar on eBay, I need you to, uh, to grab it off our porch as soon as UPS delivers it. Like it can't sit out there, because it's in July in, in Dallas, which is like really, really hot, just not, not good for guitars. I was like, I need you to grab it and put it in a safe place. I didn't specify like what that safe place was, so Kai, in true Kai fashion, found uh, an, an open, an open lane to uh, to, to take a uh, yeah. And so he, so I, I emailed him. I said, "Hey man, I knew I knew the guitar had been delivered." And I said, "Did did you get it? Did you did you put it up?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, it's great. I put it in my in, in the trunk of my car. It's been in the trunk of my car for t- for two days." And I was like, "No," but he he didn't. But he, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a good it was a good prank. Um, <clears throat> but had he, I would have, I would have cried. Um, but uh, yeah, so with with guitars, there 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 are all these different uh, factors that that keep the guitar from remaining in tune. Um, in order to play a guitar how it's supposed to be uh, played, um, it like all the strings are tuned to a certain note, and when you play it correctly, you get somewhat beautiful music. Um, if it's played correctly. If it's out of tune, you can play what you think are the right notes and it's not gonna produce good music. So this, so this is a, just a standard G chord. Any, any of you guys, if you know G, G, C, and D, you can lead worship in a church. Um, so I'm playing a G chord, but that's not a G chord because it's not, it's not in tune. It's ter- terribly out of tune. Um, so, <clears throat> in order to play it properly, the strings must be in tune. So, if you're ever if you're ever wondering what we're doing during a prayer, and you hear these notes, we're making sure that that the strings are are in tune. It's a little better. It's still still out. Anyways, um, so 
one of, one of my mentors um, early on in, in uh, leading worship, his uh, guitar player pulled me aside one time after service, and he said, he said, hey, Nick, uh, do you have a tuner? Which is a nice way of saying your guitar's out of tune. Uh, <clears throat> he was like, do you, do you have a tuner? I was like, yeah, yeah, I got, I got a tuner. And, and I, would, I would tune my guitar before the service and then just kind of leave it. And, and he's like, no, 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 no. Do you have a pedal tuner, a tuner that you can turn on and off and even tune in between songs, sometimes during a song if you need to? Um, and, and I was like, no, I don't. And he said, well, he said, notice how quickly... Your, your guitar gets off tune, like all these different elements, depending, even if you've ever been to a concert outside, which is really difficult to keep an instrument in tune because of all these factors, the heat, the cold, the humidity, the pressure, um, all these things are working against um, the instrument to keep it in tune so that it sounds uh, how it's supposed to sound. Um, and so as, as I was preparing this week and just kind of um, looking over this, this theme of reorienting, what it means to to reorient our hearts and our lives um, during this season of Advent, um, I, I couldn't help but see the, 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 the comparison between uh, just the way the, the, that these outside elements work against a guitar to keep it in tune and they pull it out of tune. In the same, uh, in, in the same way, uh, the human heart for the Christian um, in that we've been given new hearts, um, we've been given a new identity in Christ, um, but sin is still present, and we still are pulled out of tune um, with, with the heart of the Father. And so that's, that's kind of what we're going to look at this morning, is um, using Advent um, as a season to reorient or retune our hearts uh, to be in tune with the Father. <clears throat> there is a, uh, there's a catechism called the Westminster Catechism. It's a series of doctrinal statements that's uh, used to catechize or to disciple uh, followers of Christ, and so Something that's simple, concise, uh, but, but lets uh, the person remember um, these different doctrinal truths. And so the first question in, in the Westminster Catechism is, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? What is man's supreme purpose? Why, why was man created? The answer is, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Um, man was created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, the only way that, um, well, one, one, the, in, in order to be able to enjoy God and be satisfied in him, we must continually have our hearts retuned or reoriented. Um, there are things that pull our hearts out of tune. There's a book that I read a couple years ago um, by a, uh, he's a modern day, Christian philosopher, um, I guess would be his title, a guy named James K.A. Smith, um, really solid dude, and uh, he's a professor uh, at uh, the Calvin um, College of Worship, and, uh, and he wrote this book called You Are What You Love, um, talking about uh, liturgies, about these, these habits, these spiritual habits that, um, that we have, and he talks a lot about uh, how culture, how worldly culture, secular culture um, creates these liturgies for us that we participate in unknowingly sometimes, but how they, they shape us and they form us um, to value certain things. And so I've got a quote we're going to put on the screen <clears throat> by James K. Smith uh, from this book. He says, Whether we know it or not, our loves and longings are being shaped by the places we shop, the sports we pursue, the music we hear, the movies we watch, the shows we binge, the phones we use, 
We don't just do these activities, they do something to us. They subtly train us to adopt certain values, to desire certain goals, and to believe certain things about the world. Over time, we can find our relationship with God out of focus, out of tune, and in need of, a, of adjustment. Um, and so this is something that a, a lot of us, um, I mean, like, like you said, unknowingly, this, this takes place daily. We're, we're exposed to these, just like a, a guitar is exposed to these different elements that are constantly pulling it out of tune. Um, our hearts are exposed uh, to these other worldly elements that are pulling us off focus um, and out of tune uh, with, with the heart of God. Um, churches have been observing the tradition of Advent for hundreds of years. Um, it, it's a tradition that's continually <clears throat> been used, um, there, the, even though there have been a lot of traditions that have since fallen off um, from the historical church, Advent is one that has, has remained. Um, and so for us as a church, we believe that, that Advent is, um, is beneficial for us and it has great value. Um, and, and some of the themes that we've covered uh, this year so far has been slowing down, using Advent as a season of, of, of slowing down and waiting on the Lord and reflecting on the Lord, who he is, what he's done, uh, looking at, at the importance of teaching and training, discipleship um, of each other and of our, of our kids, and also using Advent um, as, as a season to reorient uh, or to retune our hearts. So some of the ways that we can approach this Christmas season, we can look and see even what, even what culture around us does and repurpose it to see how, through a Christian worldview, how we would respond to those things and how, how we could view um, those things to help retune our hearts and our affections. Um, so one of the things within our culture, when you look at this season of, of, of Christmas, of this, this time of year, what's going on, what, uh, what people are doing, uh, a lot of what, what comes to mind is a season of wanting. It's a season of, of wanting um, and so you may, <clears throat> you may be in a season, coming out of a season or in the middle of a season where you're really uh, just overwhelmed, really, uh, just really exhausted, really spent, um, tired, um, wanting, wanting rest. You may be in a season where you're wanting rest. You may be um, in a season, um, this comes to mind, especially as, as a kid, um, this, this is the time of year when you put together a, a want list, a wish list of things that you, that you want. And so some of us may be in a season of wanting material things. There may be some things that, that we're wanting, that we're desiring, that we think um, that, that, that we, uh, we would really like to have. You may be in a, in a season of, um, of conflict um, and uncertainty, and so you may be wanting um, to have a season, desiring a season of peace um, and comfort. And so culture paints this picture. One of the things that James K. Smith talks about in the book is that culture through these liturgies, through training us to see the world this way and to, to love these things and to desire these things, culture shows us that if, if we obtain those, if we get all these things, if we get the rest that we want, if we get the material things that we want, if we get this peace and this comfort and everything's good, then it, the culture gives us this picture of, it's an illusion of what he calls the good life. That once you have all these things, then you're living the good life, and, and you're, you're going to be truly, truly satisfied. Um, but that's, um, that's, that's, not, that's not the case. It's an illusion. Um, these things, these things are, are uh, they're, they're, they're an illusion to, um, to what, we, uh, what we really need, what can really satisfy us. 
And so for the believer, for those of us who, who are in Christ, who have trusted in Christ and seen <clears throat> the, the glories of the gospel, um, we can use this season to reorient our hearts to remember that God's given us everything that we need um, in Christ. And so God has met our greatest need, which is that of a Savior um, through Jesus. And so just like your parents told you, you know, you may want all this stuff, but you don't need it, um, there, there are so many things that we want and we desire and we think could satisfy us. Um, it's a season of wanting, um, but God has satisfied um, every need that we need uh, in, in Christ. Um, in Psalm chapter 73, we've got uh, this verse I want to put on the screen. Psalm 73, um, this is a psalm of, uh, I believe, Asaph uh, wrote this. He says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This guy says, there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so in the middle of a season of wanting, in the middle of, of being drawn to want and desire these things, um, and may, may we be reminded that, that God is our only portion, that he's given us everything that we need in Christ. Um, the second thing that, that comes to mind when we look at this season uh, culturally is that it's a season of giving. And this isn't, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think this is, this is one way where culture kind of has some good elements to it, where it's, it's, a, it's a season of, of giving. We give gifts. We, we give things um, to each other. Um, culture has attempted to show the importance of, of giving uh, during the season. Um, if you turn on the TV or you watch any shows with commercials, you, you've probably seen a ton of commercials that say, give the gift of whatever this season. You know, that's, that's kind of the phrase with all these commercials. This year, give the gift of blank. Um, <clears throat> with, with giving, um, a lot of the times, um, our motivations are off in regards to giving. Um, sometimes we give so that we could get something back for ourselves, um, either later on down the road or expecting a gift right away, right? Um, you go to a gift, nobody ever goes to a gift exchange giving something and not expecting something in return. Um, and, and so a retuned outlook on giving for us as, as believers um, is, is, is to look at giving as giving generously without the expectation of recognition or the expectation of a gift in return. It's to look at giving as more than um, just giving material things. Um, to look at giving as giving of our time, giving of uh, our energy, giving of our love, uh, and, 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 serving, and serving one another. And so these different things, as, as we reorient our hearts to be in line with the heart of the Father, um, there's something that's produced within us. There's a couple things that are produced within us. One of the things is, that is produced within us when we reorient our hearts is contentment. Um, contentment is produced within us as our hearts are reoriented and refocused towards uh, the heart of the Father. We live in a way that displays that Christ is our greatest treasure, and it shows that he's better than any possession, pleasure, or feeling that we could ever experience. So it's true contentment when we see that Jesus is greater than any other thing that we could ever have, experience, or know. The second thing that, um, that, is pr that is produced within us when our hearts are reoriented, reoriented 
um, is, is hope and trust. So when we look at the Advent story, when we look and, and see, okay, what, what are we celebrating at Advent? What are we remembering at Advent? What are we reenacting? Um, and it's that God became flesh, that Jesus became uh, fully God and fully man, was born as a baby, um, came in order to die for us. Um, the beauty of this promise um, that, that God had promised um, that he would send a Messiah to crush the power over sin and death. Um, and that he did it. He did it. He sent Christ um, to deal with sin um, and death. And we, so we celebrate God's first advent, or we celebrate God's faithfulness in the first advent, um, and we also have hope. It produces hope um, in the second coming of Christ. Um, and so we, we look at the story of Advent, um, and it stirs within us hope and trust because God is faithful. God's who he, he's, he is who he says he is. Um, he's kept his promises. And so as we celebrate Advent, as we walk through this season, um, we're able to remember that and look to that and hold, hold to that, that God is faithful. So how, how do we retune our hearts? Um, I, man, I find great comfort in knowing that God hasn't left that alone to us, right? That he hadn't just kind of left us alone to figure out how to retune our hearts, how to um, align our hearts with him. Um, but he's, he's told us within his word, he's given us different things. Um, the main way that we reorient our hearts, um, one of the things is, is uh, what we would call the ordinary means of grace. Ordinary means of grace. This is a historical church um, teaching um, of things called the ordinary means of grace. Uh, a couple of things within that. Um, one of the, the first one is, is prayer. So prayer is an ordinary means of grace. When we pray, um, our hearts uh, are unified with the heart of the Father. Um, the second one is, is the preaching of the scriptures. When we open up the word, we see, um, we see who God is. We see what he desires uh, for his glory, what he desires for us. And then the last one is the Lord's Supper and, and baptism. So these things, prayer, preaching, and the Lord's Supper and baptism. And so that, to the outside observer, these things look really ordinary, right? They look like, they look really, um, they don't look special at all. It, you know, you're, you're using um, really common things like human speech, bread, wine or grape juice, um, and water. So these are all ordinary things, but by faith and with the work of the Spirit, um, as we do these, these common elements are used to do a very uncommon work. So as we participate in these ordinary means of grace, um, they confirm our trust in Christ and they strengthen our hearts uh, to flee from sin and to rest in Christ alone. Look in your Bibles at uh, Colossians 3, verse 16. Colossians three sixteen. Um, this is this is Paul uh, reminding the church, challenging the church with with what they need. Um, and he says, look at verse sixteen. <clears throat> he says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God." This is something that Paul instructed them to do because they needed it. Let me read that one more time. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. They needed to dwell on the word of Christ, on the scriptures. They needed to be taught and admonished um, by one another with the word. 
They needed to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and be reminded of who God is and what he had done in order to be thankful, in order to give him glory. And so as, as your pastors, one of our primary roles um, in your life is to teach you and admonish you um, in truth, to put the word of Christ before you each week in song, sermon, and prayer. Man, we can't, we can't stress enough the importance of this gathering. It's crucial for all of us to gather like this and to open up the word, to sing truth, to recount uh, the deeds of the Lord, who he is, what he's done. Um, it, it's, it's crucial for us to have our hearts realigned and recalibrated um, to see and savor Jesus above everything else. So when we participate in Christian worship, um, our hearts, in doing that, our hearts are recalibrated uh, and reoriented. In that, that book that I, I previously talked about, um, You Are What You Love, the author, uh, he, he talks a lot about how culture recently, the last couple years, uh, culture has reduced um, worship, Christian worship, uh, to merely just an expression or the music part of the service. You know, when, when it's referred to as, well, worship, we're going to worship, we're going to sing songs. But he, he says it's, it's, it's much more than that. It's much more, worship is much more than just uh, an expressive uh, time of the service. He says it's, it's, it's much more than expressive, it's, it's formative. So worship forms us. Um, Christian worship is not only something that we do, it's something that's done to us. He says this quote as well in the book. He says, worship is the arena in which God recalibrates our hearts, reforms our desires, and rehabs our loves. Worship's the arena in which God recalibrates our hearts, reforms our desires, and rehabs our loves. Something that I think will help you see the importance of corporate worship, what we're doing, um, and it's helped me, is to understand that corporate worship isn't just something that we do. Like you said, it's not something that we just come and kind of go through um, the motions mindlessly. Um, this is not, we're, we're not just here doing these things. We believe that what we're doing is doing something within us. It's, it's changing us. It's reminding us of truth. It's, it's, it's fortifying uh, our faith. It's formative in shaping and realigning our hearts and affections uh, to hope and to value Christ above all. The songs that we sing remind us of our need for Christ. They remind us of the hope that we have in the gospel. They remind us that every other thing we could ever put our hope in or anything that we could ever want pales in comparison to the inheritance that we have in Christ. We don't just choose songs because they sound uh, catchy or they're on the radio or we like the melody. Um, There's substance within um, the songs that we're singing. Um, there's truth within it that should stir our hearts. That as, as we sang these songs this morning about um, the incarnation, that, that God became flesh, like that, that should do something within us as we're reminded um, of how God kept his promise of Christ coming and being born um, as, as a baby to die for us. And for some of us, it may be, there may be seasons where it's difficult to lift your voice. It's difficult to sing. Um, it's difficult to stand and sing how God has been faithful um, but as we, as we gather and you hear other people sing how God's been faithful, man, I pray that that's, that's encourage, it's encouraging to you and it's uplifting to you and it fills you with the Spirit um, as you hear your brothers and sisters that are walking with you um, remind you of the faithfulness of God 
um, as, they, as they sing. With preaching, when, when the scriptures are opened um, and exposed, the Spirit works within our hearts to convict and to retune our hearts to not be led astray um, by our sinful hearts, but to align our loves with what the Father loves and to align our, uh, our desires with, with his. Let's look at Psalm uh, 119. So the Psalms, and they're a collection of uh, these spiritual songs um, written about God and to, to God um, that communicate um, the beauty of the tension between truth and emotion, and um, and and it's it, it's a it's a really it's a really helpful thing as a as a believer to read through the Psalms and see um, see the author's uh, confession and need for a heart realignment that the heart is is wayward and wants to do other things and needs to be brought back on on course. Look at Psalm one nineteen uh, verse nine. Read 9 through 16. First, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as, it, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Look at verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. And as we gather, as we, as we, as, as we gather together to fight against all these different secular liturgies where our hearts have been pulled out of tune, where, where we've been led to worship other things, to value other things over Christ, in those last two verses, 36 and 37, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from, work, from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Flip back over to, uh, to Colossians. We'll wrap up there. So Colossians 3, verses one through four. Paul's talking about <clears throat> the fact that it's that tension of that we've been made new creations in Christ, that we have a new heart, um, that, that we're no longer slaves to sin, um, but there's, we're still in a broken and fallen world. We, 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 still, uh, we still struggle with, with, um, with the fight against sin. Um, we still struggle, just like the Israelites did, with going back to other gods, going back to other things, um, buying into the lies. Look at verse one. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you, will also, then, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
So we've been crucified with Christ. Our, our, the old self has died, um, and we've been hidden with Christ in God. And so now we've been given a new identity, and, and Paul's saying, walk in it. Like if you've been raised with Christ, if you've been pulled out of darkness and placed in light, um, seek the things that are above. Don't seek the things that are, uh, that are worthless, that are worldly, that are temporal. Um, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are, that are on earth. And so in doing so, we, we have to continually, continually retune our hearts, just like the guitar in between every song. I mean, sometimes in the middle of a song, I, I realize the guitar just got out of tune. It needs to, it needs to, be, needs to be brought back in. Um, in the same way, like our hearts are pulled, are detuned. Um, they need to be retuned um, with, with the heart of the Father. There's a song that I'm sure uh, for some of you is, as, as, as I've talked through this, has come to mind. Um, we're going to put the lyrics on the screen um, to close. It's called Come Thou Fount, um, uh, an old hymn. We'll read some of these, these verses. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Another verse says, let thy goodness like a, like a fetter, like a shackle, like handcuffs. Let the goodness of God bind me to him. Let the reminder of that, that God is good, let that pull me and draw me to him. Let that bind my heart to him. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And the last verse, oh, that day when freed from sinning. This is the hope that we proclaim in this song. Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Clothed then in blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Take my ransomed soul away. So, man, I, <clears throat> we plead with you as members of this body, when we, when we gather together, to, to not just approach this in a mindless fashion, but see the beauties and the richness of what's been set before us. That we have the word, that God has given us the word to, to open and to be exposed that reveals the intentions of our hearts, reveals that we need a Savior. As we sing these songs that, that remind us of who God is, that, uh, that, that fortify our faith, that God has been faithful, that he sent Jesus once to deal with sin and death, and he's, he's coming again. And so I hope that, that this, in this season as we celebrate that, as we, as we celebrate and remember the first advent, man, that that stirs your heart to be uh, to be reminded of the faithfulness of God, um, and it pushes us forward uh, in pursuit of him. Let's pray, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for, um, God, just the mystery of, God, Jesus uh, being born um, fully God and fully man. God, being born of a virgin. God, in him, um, God, having to learn how to walk, how to talk, God, him needing food, needing sleep, um, his body physically feeling weakness as, as we do, but God, him being fully divine, one with the Father. And God, we thank you for the beauty of that, the mystery of that. God, I pray our hearts would be stirred as we, in this season, um, think about that. God, that we would be uh, drawn to magnify you God, this season that we celebrate, this is, this is where you sent, you sent a Messiah to deal with our sin. 
And God, that that would move us and stir us to see uh, you as a faithful and good God. God, we thank you for uh, the riches that we have in the gospel. God, we thank you that we can gather as your people and be reminded of this. Um, God, we pray that our hearts would be realigned with you. God, that we would be quick to see um, where our hearts have veered off, where we've wandered away, um, and where we need to be brought back on um, to be in line with your heart. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.